Welcome to the Sports Garden Network Podcast, your source for sports entertainment, incredible sports wagering intelligence. Welcome, sports fans. This is Wagering Week. I'm Tom Barton. That's right. We are a Wagering Week. Facebook and Twitter, you can get in touch with us there. It's Sports Garden, G-A-R-T-E-N, hashtag S-G-N. The number is 855-4-G-A-R-T-E-N, iTunes, iHeartRadio, any of our fine syndicated affiliates. That is where you can hear us. And guys, what a show that we have for you. You know, I got to tell you, this is one of the most just absolutely crucial and vital news sports weeks that maybe we've ever had. I mean, when you're talking about the NFL news that crashed, and it was just absolutely unreal and followed by some big names a couple of days after that. We also have the NCAA tournament going on. The NBA has a lot of things going on. Look, LeBron scored 56, you know, in the last seven days. That's something to talk about. We also have NHL going on. You know, you look at uh, the Toronto Maple Leafs, man, they just keep pouring the goals on. And you have Major League Baseball back. But as far as news weeks and sports news I don't know if I can remember a bigger sports news week. First of all, the trades in the NFL, which we will get into, were absolutely groundbreaking. I mean, massive, massive stories when you're talking about that. It all kind of began with the NFL. But after that, obviously, we had the NCAA tournament being played at the same time, Major League Baseball, and then more things went on with the NHL. So, Uh, You know, with the NFL, I should say. So, look, let's get into it, okay? I want to get into the NFL first because, look, first and foremost, the NFL, this is what pushes the needle. This is the number one thing, and these couple of days have just been uh, head-spinning. Let's first get into the Aaron Rodgers situation, right? Aaron Rodgers obviously played played everybody like a fool. Uh, um, I mean, that's really what it was. But I'm going to do something I I never do, and I'm going to stick up for Aaron Rodgers a little bit here. I think that there were times that Aaron Rodgers believed he was not going back to Green Bay. So Aaron Rodgers goes to Green Bay, signs a four-year, about a $200 million contract with about $150-plus million in guaranteed money. He is still in Green Bay. That's, I mean, that's just that. But, you know, you automatically hear people going, oh, you know what, Uh, Aaron Rodgers is never going to leave. Look, was it all about me, me, me and the Aaron Rodgers show? Yes. Was most of this... Oh, yeah. You know, I, I want the attention on me. I want to make a statement. I want. Yeah, yes. Yes. But I don't think he always knew he was going back to Green Bay. I do believe that not only Aaron Rodgers, but, you know, myself included. I do believe there were times where he thought, you know, I could get out of Green Bay. And I believe that things happened on the way. First of all, let me backtrack a little bit. Do I think he went? And did a lot of this, you know, we'll say boasting, we'll say kind of out there toying with the Green Bay fans. Do I think he did a lot of that as a contract negotiation ploy? Yeah, I do. I do. I think that Aaron Rodgers wanted the Green Bay Packers to understand, if I leave, here's the Packers' reaction. And Packers radio was filled up, and Sports Talk Radio in general was filled up constantly with nothing but Aaron Rodgers talking, what are the Packers going to do, and what do they do with uh, with Jordan Love, and what what how devastating it was, all Rodgers all the time for months, for months. Look, I led to it. I'm reading, you know, <laughs> odds every week about where Aaron Rodgers is going to go. He captivated the audience, and he captivated the NFL fans. 
But I don't think it was just a ploy to get money. I do believe that Aaron Rodgers, in his heart of hearts, at times, was not sure if he was going back to Green Bay. And when I say that things do happen, look, things do happen here, right? Um, I think that when you look at the landscape, star quarterbacks like Aaron Rodgers, you know, look, you can say that they don't care. And I get it. They're not afraid. Aaron Rodgers isn't afraid of anybody. He thinks he's the best quarterback on the planet. He's back-to-back MVPs. He thinks he's got a team to win. You know, 13 wins two years in a row. Yeah, all of that. And you can talk about the bravado of him not caring what division he goes into and the bravado of him not caring to go to Denver and, you know, and face Patrick Mahomes and Justin Herbert. And he doesn't care because he thinks he's better. You can say all that. But the realist knows that Aaron Rodgers is not a dummy. The realist knows that Aaron Rodgers is sitting around. He's a lot of things and a lot of negative things, but he's no dummy. And he's sitting around and he watched, you know, maybe I will leave Green Bay. And then he watched Sean Payton retire. Then he watched Tom Brady step away. And I don't care if you think you're the best on the planet, no matter what. If there's an easier path, sometimes you go down the easier path. And this is not to slight Aaron Rodgers in any way, shape, or form. But I think he saw an NFC that he's looking at the teams and he's going, okay, so we have... Minnesota, the Lions and the Bears in my own division, none of them are even a small worry for me. So we're going to win the division. Going to win another 13 games. You look at the South. Well, I had Brady. Don't have to worry about him. The South is littered with Sam Donalds of the world, unless you believe in Matt Ryan and that mess that is in Atlanta. No. Carolina, Say, I mean, come on. Come on. New Orleans just lost their head coach. So nobody in the South. Over in the East, well, it's the NFC least for a reason. Daniel Jones, Washington didn't have a quarterback at the time. Uh, it doesn't really matter. It may be the Cowboys, but hey, they, they choke away everything. I'm clearly better than them, and I'm not worried about them. Okay, Seattle, Wilson's a little angry. Not not worried about him. Kyler Murray, eh, he's kind of a disaster. All right. So right now, Aaron Rodgers is looking at the NFC, and he's going, okay, it's me, the Rams, and the Niners. And I think I could beat the Niners with a rookie quarterback. It's me and the Rams. I, you know, look, I think I can beat the Rams. I still think it, it's us or them. It's hard to repeat. I think that there was a lot of thought process there between that and Aaron Rodgers and, and what was going on. So was this a lot of look at me, Aaron Rodgers? Yeah, there was there was a good deal of that. There was a good deal of that. But at the end of the day, you, you know, he's staying in Green Bay. I don't think anyone's that shocked. Now, I will say this. I did find it kind of funny that it was the last dance and Devontae Adams was his best friend and he was going to stay for Devontae. Listen, he took all that money, told Devontae, hey, go get franchise tagged. Oh, well, it's my money now. And kind of left him hanging out there. So there's something there. There's also the idea, and Cheeseheads, well, you're going to be upset about this, but it's reality. There's also the reality that there's no real pressure to win a Super Bowl in Green Bay. Look, that's reality. It's just reality. If Aaron Rodgers does not win a Super Bowl in the next four years, he retires as potentially the greatest quarterback in franchise history, according to Green Bay fans. Green Bay fans will find every excuse. Now that he's got all the money, right? Well, well, they're going to lose defense. Oh, it's back to blame in the defense. Oh, uh, Devontae Adam leaves. Oh, he's got no wide receivers. Oh, green. It's always going to be Green Bay's fault. It's always going to be Green Bay's fault. And Aaron Rodgers kind of tested the waters and realized that. It's always going to be Green Bay's fault. Never going to be Aaron's fault. Not to the Green Bay fans. So there's almost no pressure to to win there. When we're talking about 
you know, odds. Look, one of the things I'd like to say is that it was a massive, massive news day, but not much really changed. I, not much changed. I know that the odds moved. You know, on February 2nd, Green Bay was 16 to 1 odds. Then there was some speculation that the Packers were going to re-sign him, and it went down to 12 to 1. As soon as the news broke, it went to 8 to 1, and they are tied with the Rams right behind the Chiefs and the Buffalo Bills at 7 to 1. Okay. But nothing really changed. I mean, for all of the bad that happened in the division of the NFC, I think it's going to be negated by what happens with the Packers. And at the end of the day, for more than a decade now, what do you have? You have a quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who chokes in the playoffs. A quarterback in Aaron Rodgers who might win an MVP but can't get it done in the playoffs. And I don't think magically he's certainly going to get it done there. So from a betting standpoint, you want to bet team total win overs next year? Okay. Yeah, I'm, I'm okay with that. You want to bet the Packers to win the NFC North? All right. That's fine. I'm not going to talk you off of that. But are you going to really go out there and bet the Packers to win the Super Bowl? Why? Because Aaron Rodgers is coming back? No. Absolutely not. Absolutely not. There's no value. There's no value there. Absolutely not. That's something to pay attention to as well. Um, The collateral damage from this is the Jordan Love pick now looks like one of the worst picks in recent NFL history. Aaron Rodgers was your guy. All you did was upset him. You want to say, oh, Jordan Love lit a fire on him? Come on. Get real. Aaron Rodgers was your guy. All you did was upset your franchise quarterback. You wasted a high pick on a quarterback that will never take a snap in a starting role for your franchise outside of an injury for Rodgers. You just made Aaron Rodgers the highest-paid player in the NFL. Your backup was a very high pick at quarterback. Now you can't get anything for him. I mean, does Jordan Love just wait around? Does he just hang there like Jimmy Garoppolo, wait until his contract comes, and then go test the free agency market? I mean, maybe. Maybe that's what's going to happen. And maybe Green Bay will spin this and try to tell Green Bay fans— who will believe anything, by the way, that this is a fine thing, that Jordan Love is a good backup, and a Super Bowl contending team needs two court. I, I mean, they'll, they'll be out there doing that. Sure, they'll, they'll go out there. But the reality is, guys, when you, when you break this all down, Aaron Rodgers going back to Green Bay doesn't really move the betting needle for me at all. As a matter of fact, getting that much money and going back to Green Bay actually hurts the Green Bay Packers. Zadarius Smith is going to leave. They're going to lose some key pieces. If they do franchise Devontae Adams, he's not going to be too happy about it. So Mark uh, Marquez <laughs> Scanling, I, I, I don't think he's a great player. He's not coming back. So the Green Bay Packers made the move that every Green Bay Packer fan wanted them to do. But I don't think on a betting perspective, it really moves the needle. Then, a few hours later, after all of this attention had to be paid to Aaron Rodgers, a few hours later, what happens? Oh, well, Russell Wilson. Russell Wilson gets traded to the Broncos, and they did it really in, in a very smart way because you didn't want this to linger, so they announced this deal very, very quickly. And they announced it without us knowing the particulars. They announced it. Why? Because they didn't want anyone out there saying, well, Denver only got Russell Wilson because Aaron Rodgers is off the market. They didn't want that to be said. So this was in the works for a while. And we did talk about Russell Wilson. Look, Russell Wilson has been unhappy there in Seattle for a little while now. He's been unhappy in Seattle. He showed it on the field this year. I know he was hurt, but you could see that something was missing. Denver was going to go all in on a quarterback. A lot of us thought it was going to be Aaron Rodgers. If not, it was going to be Russell Wilson or Watson. or they, they were going all in on a quarterback, and here it is, Russell Wilson to Denver. So let's break this down. You know, look, 
Russell Wilson makes the Denver Broncos better immediately. Of course he does. Of course he does. Right? Russell Wilson deserves to immediately get that kind of respect. But he is going to a division with Herbert. He's going to a division with, obviously, Patrick Mahomes. He's going to a division with the playoff Raiders. Ha, ha, ha. Say what you want about the Raiders. They are a playoff team, and they did it with a special teams interim head coach. Now, Russell Wilson also has been telling people he wants Mahomes money. So, contract negotiations are going to begin a year from now. Seattle was not going to give him that money. Denver's going, yeah, okay, we could try that. <laughs> right? I mean, we could try that. Seattle got a good slew of picks back. You've got to say, man, you know, they did pretty well. But this is now an interesting scenario because you have a, a one of the oldest coaches, if not the oldest coach in the country, and Pete Carroll out there, and he's going to be around for a full rebuild. Are they really going full rebuild? Well, that was the question. I said, yeah. Immediately when that happened, and while everybody else was paying attention to, oh, right, let's rank the AFC quarterbacks, basically I said, guys, look, Seattle's going to fall apart here. Why is nobody paying attention to that? The betting angle that I want is Seattle uh, picking in the top five in the next year's draft. Seattle, team total under all day long. So immediately after Wilson, I said maybe Lockett would go. DK Metcalf probably not going to be on the team. The next day, Bobby Wagner, eight-time Pro Bowler, was released. I mean, Seattle's going to be god-awful. And here's the thing. Seattle does terrible with their picks, their early picks, I should say. So this is going to be an interesting rebuild in Seattle. As for Denver, let's go back to Denver because the immediate reaction was, well, you know, Denver's going to be better. De- Denver's going to be great. Oh, 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 Denver this. Oh, Denver that. I, I don't know, guys. I mean, they are going to a division where that defense does travel. Yes. I like their receivers. I like Javante Williams. I like a lot about that team. But are they better than Kansas City? No. Are they better than the Chargers? I don't think so. Are they better than the Raiders? <laughs> On paper, maybe. Yeah, I could see them finishing in first place. I could see them finishing in last place. I mean, that's the reality of Denver. So you got to start asking yourself, how much do you believe Russell Wilson is worth on a betting line, right? How much do you think? I looked at this Denver Broncos team and I said, okay, look, they, they, they are clearly overbought. We talked about that when we did our futures plays. They were clearly overbought. Um, and I still think that they are. They're still, Russell Wilson is fantastic. He still has to go through Mahomes, Herbert. And Derek Carr in his own division. He still has to go through the number one overall seed, the Titans. Still got to go through Lamar Jackson. has got an MVP the last couple of years. He still got to go to Joe Burrow, who's just in the Super Bowl. He's still got to go to Josh Allen, who I think you know is probably the best quarterback in the NFL. He's still got to go through all of that. It's a gauntlet. I looked at the Denver Broncos before Russell Wilson came on board, and I said, you know, they're about an 8-9 and nine team. So how many wins is Russell Wilson worth? General consensus, consensus is about two. So... Russell Wilson takes them from an 8-9 team to a 9-8 team. I think, he's, I think they're a little bit better than that. I think they're a 10-win team. Could they be an 11-win team? Sure. I'm stretching here. I'm going to tell you they're an 11-win team. That, that's a stretch, but they're an 11-win team. 11 wins does not win you the AFC West. 11 wins has you fighting for a wild card. The Denver Broncos have a new head coach, new offensive coordinator, new quarterback, new moving pieces all over the place, and a very young defense. New. A lot of new. So are we really looking at 2022? Is this an all-in for 2022? Or is this, you know what, we know we got the guy in place in Russell Wilson. 
and we're going to win a Super Bowl in the next two or three years. Because from a betting perspective, 2022 doesn't feel all that great right now. 2022 doesn't feel like a, a, a slam dunk Broncos, you know, in the AFC Championship. No, not not at all. From a betting perspective, I'm actually looking the other way. And I'm looking at, you know, I might be playing some unders here. I'm looking the other way and I'm going, yeah, the unders make quite a bit of sense. That's something to pay attention to as well. All right. A couple of other news and notes here. Um, Carson Wentz is traded from the Indianapolis Colts to the Washington Commanders. They actually went down in Super Bowl price, uh, meaning, you know, it went from they were about 55 or 50 to 1, 55 to 1. It went down to about 60 to 1, 65 to 1. Uh, no faith at all in the betting market for Carson Wentz. Absolutely none. I think he's an improvement. I think Washington could be very good with a good running game and a defense. Terry McLaren finally has somebody. I, I've always been on the case of, of Carson Wentz can be Kirk Cousins, which is get you to the playoffs, you know, win a game maybe in the playoffs, just not a Super Bowl kind of guy. And I think that that's fine for Washington. What Indianapolis does now is going to be very, very interesting. Are they the Deshaun Watson, you know, suitors? Is that who they're looking at? Tom Brady, Jimmy Garoppolo. I mean, who is going to go to Indy, who now has a giant opening? Also, Khalil Mack was traded from the Chicago Bears to San Diego, Los Angeles, and whatever we're talking about with the Chargers. And they're kind of going like all in. I mean, you you put Bosa and Mack back to back, absolutely outstanding. And from a Bears fan's perspective, my first instinct on this trade was I hate it. I hate it because I didn't want to see Khalil Mack go. But I get it. I do. Look, Khalil Mack is 31 years old. He's owed $64 million over the next three years. He's coming off of a back injury. He is playing really well now. But the Chicago Bears aren't looking at a Super Bowl next year. They're looking at two, three years down the line. Down the line. That's what that's what the Bears are looking for. And what that, you know, polls and GM and, and the new head coach, what they're trying to build is in two or three years, Justin Fields to take over this league. Well, Khalil Mack would be on the downside and you'd still be paying him a lot of money. They get a second round pick and a sixth round pick for him. I, I think they could have got more. That's why I don't like it. And I'm going to miss Khalil Mack, you know, being out there and, and being the guy. But I get why the Bears did it. I don't agree with it, and I wish they hadn't, but I get why they did it. Uh, also, uh, Godwin, franchise tagged. A couple of guys out there that we believed were going to move places. It doesn't look like that now. Mitch Trubinsky is apparently in pretty deep conversation with the New York Giants. None of this is really moving the betting market. The Carson Wentz thing didn't really move the betting It actually went the other way. The Colts, if they go get Jimmy Garoppolo, it's not going to really move the betting market. Uh, I think what we're seeing here is the big names, the Russell Wilson, You know, everything else is going to kind of fall around because of him. But I just don't see a lot of betting moves to be made here. This is an offseason and really a, a week where big-time news came in, and we saw the Green Bay Packers line jump. Not for me. Green Bay still not a buy. We saw the Denver Broncos line, oh, get solidified with Russell Wilson. Not for me. Still don't see much value on Denver. Maybe Trubinsky. Maybe the Watson rumors. What's going on in Indy? The Commanders have a new quarterback. What's Wentz's deal? What? Maybe Kirk Cousins is on the block. Who's going to get it to Sean Watson? All of it really isn't going to push the needle. The only thing that really will really push the needle is if Pittsburgh or Indy go out, they get Deshaun Watson, and, oh, by the way, Deshaun Watson also doesn't have 
you know, jail time or suspension attached to him because he's that kind of player. But even with that, I'm going to tell you that Deshaun Watson in the regular season is two games over 500 for his career. So I don't see this being a news week that will move the betting line, that will move my betting brain. But I will tell you what, it was an extraordinarily crazy news week. How it broke, when it broke, the order that it broke, how it all went down for the NFL was just absolutely bonkers. Huge names being moved all over the place. Guys, major, major players um, not being re-signed. Oh, that's all expected, okay? But not Russell Wilson and Khalil Mack and Carson Wentz in basically a 48-hour period. By the way, all led off by Aaron Rodgers who we kind of assumed. All right, let's take a quick timeout. Come on back. When we get back, going to get into a little college basketball. This is what we're supposed to be talking about. The NFL just absolutely took over the news cycle. Talk about that and more right after this, right here on Wagering Week. And now back to Wagering Week with Tom Barton. I'll bet you 20 bucks I can get you gambling before the end of the day. No way. I'll give you three to one odds. You're on. What are the odds? What are the odds? And we're talking about the NFL. How do I not take a look at the odds? And we're going to go to the big Super Bowl odds. And we're going to talk about everybody. Look, at the top, I told you, Bills and Chiefs, 7-1. to one. Some places have the Bills at about plus 650, but basically 7-1. to one. Packers are 8-1. to one. Rams are 8-1. to one. Niners and Broncos are 12-1. to one. Cowboys, 14-1. to one. Ravens, 20-1. to one. Titans, 20-1. to one. Bengals, 20-1. to one. Cardinals, 25-1. to one. Colts, have gone now from 20 to 1 all the way down to 30 to 1 as they wait for the next quarterback. They could continue to fall. Chargers, no real movement after the Khalil Mack trade, 25 to 1. Buccaneers, 28 to 1. Patriots, 35. Browns, 35. Vikings, 35 to 1. Saints, 40 to 1. Eagles, 40 to 1. Steelers, 50 to 1. Dolphins, 50 to 1. The Commanders go from 50 to 1 down to 60 to 1. Jumping in front of them, Falcons, Panthers are still 50 to 1. The Raiders are 60 to 1. Bears, after the Khalil Mack trade, no movement at all. Bears and Giants are 80 to 1. Seahawks, Jaguars, 100 to 1. And I could argue the Seahawks should be a lot worse than that. Texans, 150. Jets, 150. And the Lions, 150 to 1. That is what are the odds? I mean, look, nothing changes for me, guys. You know, not, nothing here changes for me. I still think that the Bills are the best team in the league. I don't see value on them. I think there is some value on the Rams. Um, now, maybe a little less with with Aaron Rodgers coming back, if you want to believe that. But I certainly don't believe that the Packers are a better team than the Rams. I just don't like to bet on a team to win the Super Bowl two years in a row. The Niners, still a questionable quarterback there. The Broncos at 12-1, to 1, I think, is a ridiculous number. I'm still eyeing the Ravens, you know, for value's sake. I kind of like the Ravens. And in the NFC, I mean, if you're looking for value, we still have a lot of teams that could jump up. The Buccaneers could land a quarterback, and at 28-1, to 1, uh, they could still be right back in this thing. People are liking the Vikings at 35-1. to 1. I don't see it. Not with Kirk Cousins. Not with a, a depleted defense. Saints Saints don't have anybody at 40-1. to 1. The Eagles at 40-1 to 1 still uninspiring. I mean, the Commanders at 60-1, to 1, um, they might be worth a, a stab just because they could make the playoffs, but I don't really see anything. All of the news that went down was just that. It was news. And I just don't see it moving the betting market, as you can obviously see. I'm just not in favor of it kind of skewing the betting market. All right, let's quickly get into the NCAA tournament. And I I just want to talk real quick about, you know, the mid-majors. And the mid-majors are something here where I I, I like them. Every year, 
I follow the mid-majors over the course of the year. And I did my numbers this year and my full breakdown after the regular season of how many games I bet and, and how well I did. And, um, you know, I bet 126 games this regular season in college basketball. 126 games over the course of college basketball. That's what I bet. Uh, more than half of them were mid-majors. So I really do like the mid-major conferences. And in a lot of ways, it really, really helps me early on from a betting perspective, you know, to see what kind of value, what kind of style. Um, my best team that I made the most money on this year was Vermont. 10-2 and two I went in with Vermont games this year. 10-2 and two on Vermont games overall this year. So I feel like I have a good handle on some of these mid-majors. So I want to talk about some of them. So we do have automatic bids already handed out. Like I said, I'm recording this on Thursday. So if you're listening on Friday and Saturday, there'll be more automatic bids but as of right now, Murray State, Longwood, Loyola, Chicago, Chattanooga, Georgia State, Jacksonville State, Bryant, Delaware, Wright State, South Dakota State, and Colgate. Those are all the automatic bids. Now, we still have the American, where, you know, a team like Vermont, um, we still have uh, the ACC, obviously, the big conferences. We still have the American East, uh, which is the Vermont Conference. You know, the Atlantic 10 is still out there. The Big Sky is still out there. The Conference uh, USA, the Big West the Ivy League conference that doesn't even start until Saturday. The MAC, the MAC, <laughs> the MEAC, uh, the Mountain West, uh, the Southland Conference, the SWAC, the WAC, and the WCC. I mean, we, we have a lot of mid-majors to yet to be decided. But I want to kind of have a conversation about what makes a good mid-majors team. Now, last year, um, if you guys were listening, I, I mean, I crushed it. Oral Roberts, Moneyline, two games in a row. Absolutely crushed it. I loved what I watch. I love the fact that they had a one-two combination. I love the fact that at all times they had the best scorer on the on the court, and there was no doubt about that. Now, Oral Roberts is not going back, so I have to start to look at different things. You know, Jacksonville State isn't somebody that really impresses me, especially they do it with defense. Well, that defense kind of will come unrattled. What I like from a mid-major team are teams that are not going to get pushed around by superior talent. Not because of, well, you know what, we're better than you. No, because... Superior talent can only do a few things. You know, su superior talent can beat good defensive teams because they're not used to the size. They're not used to the speed. They're not used to the 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 execution. So really good defensive teams coming from the mid-majors, I generally don't love. I like teams, if you're looking for mid-major teams going into the tournament, I like teams that can shoot the three and don't miss free throws. Shooting teams do well because... You can play good defense and be from a Kentucky or a Duke or, or one of the Blue Bloods at Kansas. You can play good defense, but it's hard to stop the three. You know, if that three ball is falling, if that three ball is going down, well, it's hard to stop it. If you have a double combination, you know, that was a rarity last year with Oral Roberts because Abbas was so good, and they had a one-two punch. You couldn't just spy on him, and if you spied on him, you know, you, you, you had that. It was a rarity. And the reason why Oral Roberts didn't make it back this year is they lost one of the one-two punches. So you look around. Look, Loyola Chicago is not sneaking up on anybody anymore. Um, they had a very good year, but I don't think that that's the team. Longwood is a pretty good team. Longwood had a really good under-the-radar year where they generally went wire-to-wire -wire in that conference and were able to beat people up. Murray State not really going to surprise some people. Murray State out of the Ohio Valley is— the Ohio, Ohio Valley Conference is starting to become— that conference, okay? The Ohio Valley, to me, is starting to become that conference that you could start to talk about, well, you know what? They got a lot of good teams there. It, it, you know, 
Could the Ohio Valley Conference, could they? Could they possibly be better than, say, a Mountain West or so? Oh, I, I could argue that. You know, the Ohio, Ohio Valley Conference, Murray State's a, a very good team. Belmont won 25 games. Moorhead State won 23 games. You know, you do have the drop after, after that, and you have garbage teams like Eastern Illinois in that conference. Uh, but the top three, Murray State, Belmont, and Moorhead State, all very good teams. You know, I can argue that that is a better conference than, say, a Mountain West where, all right, you got Boise State, Colorado State, San Diego State, Wyoming, and then it drops off. So, I mean, it, it, it's close. Murray State's not sneaking up on anybody, right? I mean, they're not that team that's going to kind of just come out of nowhere and you're going to go, oh, wait a minute, hold on. You know, Murray State's that team. No, no, no. Same thing with Longwood. I think Longwood is a very good team from the Big South. I think they have upset potential, but they don't have the formula that I'm looking for. Chattanooga, same thing. Chattanooga plus the points first round, I'm all game if they're going to give too many points. I don't really like Georgia State or Jacksonville State. Those are the two that could get absolutely blown out. Delaware has had their problems this year. Delaware is a team that little experience. Uh, They come from a conference that isn't terrible. I mean, Hofstra was probably the premier team in that conference. Uh, You know, they're not a terrible team. Delaware, I I don't see anything big from them. I don't see anything from Wright State. You could argue Wright State probably doesn't even belong here. Um, So you have the Murray States aren't going to catch up on anybody and the Loyola Chicago. People are going to be prepared for them. Even Chattanooga. People are going to be prepared for them. They've been here before. They have the experience. They're not going to shy away. Longwood from the Big South is an interesting watch because how good Longwood was. They could absolutely upset somebody in the first round. The thing with Longwood is, are they going to be starstruck? Right? I mean, are is Longwood going to be that team this year that, you know, they have a good team, but they just can't seem to compete with the big boys? You know, 26-6 and six from the Big South is a really nice situation. They went on and rolled everyone. Winthrop is a good team. They beat Winthrop, you know, three times, guys. I, I mean, you know, they, they destroyed Winthrop. Winthrop's a good team. They lost one game since, like, December. But when they played up against the next level, on opening night, they got humiliated by Iowa, 106-73. Okay, it's in Iowa. Iowa's a top 15 team in the country, right? Um, and then they lost to Georgetown. Then they lost to Old Dominion, both on the road. I want to like this Longwood team to take a shot. And again, you give me points, sure. But the three teams I want to talk about, Bryant, Colgate, and South Dakota State. And those are the three teams I really want to dig into here. First of all, let's talk about Bryant. Can Bryant do anything in the next round? Can they win a game or so? Look, okay, they went 22-9, and but I think that's a little bit misleading, you know, because it's it's a little bit misleading because they ended the year winning seven games in a row, okay? Um, and they had won 18 in the last 19 games, <laughs> okay? So it's a little misleading that they only won 22 because they won 18 of their last 19. They were absolutely dominating people, crushing them. In the championship game, they beat Wagner, a, a good Wagner team. They beat them 70 to 43, dismantled this team. Now, one of their losses on the year was early in the year to Wagner. Another loss was at Stony Brook. Okay, you know, both of those teams are solid teams. They lost to Cincinnati in Cincinnati. They got humiliated by Houston, 111-44. All right, you know, you start to look at They got beaten down big time by Clemson. They got beaten down big time by Rhode Island, losing all those games by more than 20. I want to like Bryant. Bryant's another team. You know what? Give me the points. 
they're streaky, they're hot. Maybe I'm into them coming out of the Northeast. But they're not the team that has the formula for me this year. So let's go take a look at Colgate because Colgate has punched their ticket. Colgate had a very good year. Colgate's a team that you look at, and, and this Raiders team, uh, they're not going to jump out of nowhere, right? I mean, 23-11, and 11, they've had a solid year, first in the Patriot League. But again, here we go. How did they finish the year? Oh, my goodness. Hold on. 1, 2, 3, 4, 5, 6, 7, 8, 9, 10, 11, 12, 13, 14, 15, 16 straight wins to end the year. 16 straight wins. They dominated, dominated their conference. Absolutely. You win 16 straight games. Dominated. Their only losses to Boston College way back when. So uh, not only did they win 16 straight, they won 20 of the last 21. But you go to the beginning of the year struggles, and the beginning of the year struggles uh, showed, you know, I mean, we're talking about four wins and like 10 losses, okay? So the beginning of the year struggle was awful, but they played pretty close. Look, they lost to NC State. NC State wasn't great. It's still an ACC team on the road. They lost by three. They lost to Cornell. Cornell could win the Ivy League championship this week, okay? They lost on the road to them. They beat Syracuse in Syracuse. They beat them, put up 100 there. They lost to Harvard at Harvard. They lost to Northeastern by five at Northeastern. They they went and lost at Pitt, another ACC team, at Pitt by three. They did lose big time to St. John's. Again, that was on the road. They lost to Vermont in Vermont by 10. So all of their, listen to their their early schedule, guys. Home game against North, Northeastern was their opening schedule, uh, opening game, okay? You win that one. Road game, North Carolina State loss. Road game, Cornell loss. Road game, Syracuse win. Road game, Harvard loss. Road game, uh, home game, Niagara. Uh, road game, Northeastern. Road game, Pittsburgh. Road game, St. John's. Road game, Monmouth. Road game, Vermont. Road game, Lehigh. I mean, they just weren't at home. They, they had two home games during that stretch. Two or Three home games total in the first half of the year. Three home games total. They went two and one in those. So I think Colgate, a lot of what Colgate does and a lot of who Colgate really is has to do with the fact that, look, they just didn't travel well at a conference. And, and that's okay. You know, they can play different styles. They put up 100 on Army. They put 100 up on Syracuse and that trap, right? They put up 96 on Bucknell just recently. They can absolutely score, but they can hold you down too. They held American to 49 points about three weeks ago. Held Boston last month to 53 points. So... This is a team I sort of like. I like that they can play two different angles. I like that they can play two different styles, two different styles of basketball. Um, you can play some defense. You want to go and run, you can outscore them. And what I do like, even though they were losses, I love the fact that they went into hostile territory against better competition and went on the road and got it done. I like that from a Colgate team. I like the fact that they, they're they not going to be scared about the tournament because they've played. They've played in the Carrier Dome. They've played in big arenas. they played against tournament teams this year, and they did it all on the road. So Colgate doesn't exactly hit my exact formula of a team that I love to, to move on in the tournament. They're not my Oral Roberts because they don't have the one-two punch. Um, they don't really, really shoot really well from the outside. But I like their fluidity. I like the fact that they can play defense. You want to get into a defensive game? Sure, let's do it. I like the fact that they can outscore you. Okay, we're just going to bombs away and we're going to score. I like the these ideas that, okay, this is what we're going to do and this is who we are. These are things that I do look for in, I don't like to call it a Cinderella because Cinderella actually went to the ball and none of these teams are going to the Final Four. 
but to win for the first weekend. Yeah, I like that in a Colgate team. Colgate's a team I'm going to latch on to here. Not only are they red hot, but they're not going to be blinded. You know, I had some close losses early in the year. All on the road. All of these kids know what it's like to be in a hostile environment. I like that. It's character builder. The other team that punched their tickets, well, this team, ladies and gentlemen, well, this team absolutely fits the bill for me. South Dakota State fits the bill. They are a team that you can look at. Uh, they don't have a Moss, right? So they, they don't have that guy. But South Dakota State, they have everything you want. South Dakota State leads the country. First of all, they're a 30-win team. Right there. 30-4. and 30-win team right away. Okay? They lead the country in field goal percentage. Lead the country in three-pointer. This team can shoot, shoot well, and shoot from the outside. Now. Want to talk about counting wins? One, two, three, four, five. I mean, I could just go down down the list. I, I, I don't even have to do it. They they only had four losses on the year. Four losses on the year. But when a team is this hot, one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight, nine, ten, eleven, twelve. Hold on. 13, 14, 15, 16, 17, 18, 19, 20, 21 straight wins. 21 straight wins. They, they were in a conference with North Dakota State. Good team. Okay? Oral Roberts, we just mentioned it. Good team. And they play that style. This is an offensive-laden team. They remind me a lot of Oral Roberts last year. Put up 83, 87, 86, 106, all coming into the championship game. Those are the numbers they put up. Yeah, 79 against St. Thomas was a fluke, and then 91, 82. They're putting up 80, 85 points every night because they are superior, superior offensive team. You want to go up against Oral Roberts? Uh, Oral Roberts is going to run the ball. They're going to go crazy. Uh, okay, no problem. I don't care. We're going to run it up. We're going to score 106 on you. But you start to talk about, okay, what did they do out of conference? Okay, listen. They went to Washington State, guys, and got a win. Three-point win in Wazoo. Now, Washington State isn't a great team, but that's a road win against a power conference. Okay, that's a good win. They did lose to Washington, right? They played a Pac-12 team. They lost to Washington. They were in that game. Not the best of the best, but okay. They went on the road. We talked about the Mountain West a minute ago. Went on the road and humiliated Nevada. Nevada's not a great team, but again, it's a upper conference. Mountain West is better than the Summit, and they humiliated them by 27. They scored 102 on Nevada. 102 on Nevada. And then their big game that everyone's going to point to is against Alabama. Now, they lost that game by 16 points. They let Alabama score 104. They scored 88 points on then number 14 Alabama in Alabama in the second game of the year. So again, we have great shooters, okay, a great shooting team, a team that can hit from the outside all day, an offensive-laden team that will not be intimidated by the big spotlight. They did it. They went to Alabama. They know what it's like to play in the big spotlight. You know, this is one of those teams that I want to really kind of focus on because every year you have one of them, right? Every year you turn around and you have that team with that player that just surprised people. And I use Oral Roberts just because everybody knows that I won two games in a row, money line last year on Oral Roberts. I called it before the tournament. I was all over them because I was a massive Amas fan. I, I mean, okay. So this year, who do you have? You know, you can talk about the mid-major players. You know, a Graham Ike out of Wyoming is really good. Uh, Darius McGee out of, out of Liberty. I think you, you do need that kind of player. But one of the KJ Williams out of Murray State, don't want to forget about him. You do have, you know, those specific players. But this team shoots really well. They may not have that guy, okay? Maybe they don't have, you know, that that one. 
But I'm telling you, man, that Matt McMahon has them playing. This is this is a, a, a you know a really good team. This is a really, really, really good team. Everyone's going to be looking at the Ramblers. Everyone's going to be looking at you know even in North Texas that plays tremendous defense. But I'm sorry, this is this is Eric Henderson's best job that he's done. They uh you know the tournament MVP is Douglas Wilson. He looks really good. Their offense is just fantastic. They're a 30-win team. They have the longest winning streak in the country at 21 games going into the tournament. This is that upset team, guys. I'm taking South Dakota State against anybody, and I'm taking them on the money line against everybody. I think South Dakota State could be a bracket buster. They are the mid-major team that have already punched their ticket that I am looking at, and I'm going, yeah, I'm glad they got in. You could convince me about Colgate. You know, and I'm listening with Colgate. I'm taking points all day with Colgate. And I may take money line with Colgate. I think Colgate can certainly survive the first game. I think Colgate could get out of the weekend. But South Dakota State just has more elements that I like. When I'm betting a mid-major to pull an upset, when I'm betting a mid-major on a money line or to advance in the tournament or to move my bracket, when I'm betting those mid-majors, it's teams that shoot really well, can play that offense, have been on the road in a top conference, and and played their game. You know, it's not like they went to Alabama, lost the game by 16, but only, you know, oh, they took them out of their game. No, no, no. They still put up 88 on Alabama. And with the right matchup, this team could do wonders in the tournament. If they go up against a defensive team, or a team that struggles to score, you know, Virginia, for for example, if they go up in the first round against a team like that, that can't put up 100 on them, and you're going to have to put up 85-90 to beat this team, probably 90-95 to 95 to cover against this team, I'm doing it. Speaking of that, by the way, I love the overs in South Dakota State. I, I, I think I like the overs, uh, overs in the Colgate as well. Um, there will be more mid-majors, and we'll talk about it next week when we have the show. Next week, by the way, I will definitely be doing the show. Um, it will be out and ready before the tournament begins. So be out and ready for you guys to listen to on Wednesday. I'm going to try to get it done by Tuesday night. But with the selection community and everything else, I want to give you some good angles. Colgate is an angle. I'm liking Colgate. Got to see the matchup. South Dakota State, I don't care who they're against. I just don't. I don't care who they're against. They're going to be getting a boatload of points. The over is going to be reasonable. I'm going to be jumping in on all that. But again, that's next week. That's into the future. Now let's go. Back to the future. We're sending you back to the future. Okay, all right. Bet to, to the future. Bet to the future. And Bet to the future brings us to Deshaun Watson. And the lines are out. What team will Deshaun Watson play for next year? Look, there are a couple of options out there. The Colts are gaining some ground, but the Pittsburgh Steelers are still the in-house favorite. Pittsburgh is just about even money, plus 125 or so. The Colts are now gaining ground on them after all of that happened this week. And Deshaun Watson to Pittsburgh is looking like a real possibility. The Colts now are about 3-1. to one. That is bet to the future. Now, guys, you know, we are a sports program that leans sports betting, obviously. The name of the program, it's right there, right? I mean, it is in the title of our show. So we can't shy away from stories that are strictly sports betting oriented. And this week, we got one of those very rare, pure sports oriented stories. And we got to sit down and have a conversation about it. Um, For a while there, this was going to be kind of the story. And it, it it seems like about a month ago that this happened. Was that by design? 
was you know I don't know, but the NFL seems to always be able to bury these kind of stories. So there's a lot to unfold with the Calvin Ridley situation. And those that don't know Calvin Ridley, the wide receiver for the Atlanta Falcons, who sat out last year because of personal mental problems and he was going through some stuff, he is suspended all year this year. Suspended for the entire season because he bet on NFL games while he was away from the team. Now, it says very explicitly in his contract, in the NFL contracts, you cannot bet on NFL games. Uh, It doesn't say whether you're playing or not. It doesn't really matter. So there's a lot to unfold here. First of all, you know, what did Calvin Ridley do? Second of all, um, you know, was the punishment fair? I know a lot of people are are not going (laughs) with that theory uh, that the punishment is fair. Third of all, what does it do to Atlanta? And what does it do to really the kind of the sports betting business and, and the perception of it? So I want to break a lot of this down because I think we are more qualified than most places to break this down. First of all, Calvin Ridley bet on games. He doesn't argue it. Um, He bet on games. He bet three parlays, which, first of all, if you ever listen to this show, dumbest thing to do. Don't bet parlays, guys. Okay, that's first and foremost, number one. Um, But he did bet on the Atlanta Falcons in at least one of these parlays to win. Did not bet against Atlanta in any case. That's part of the defense. Now, I think it's a silly defense, but it is part of the defense. I didn't bet against my team, right? You didn't bet against your team, which means you didn't have inside knowledge and nobody was throwing a game. Okay, that's fine. That's part of the defense of the people that are defending Calvin Ridley. I think it's a fluky defense. I think it's a silly defense. Um, It's a defense that, for me, doesn't hold water in any capacity. So Calvin Ridley in that situation, it, it, it doesn't make sense to me to argue, well, he bet on Atlanta, he bet them to win. Well, he also bet on a bunch of other teams, and he did bet parlays, and, you know, it it seemed like it was kind of board money. The other thing that happened was, by the way, I reached out to Calvin Ridley on Twitter and asked him to come on the show, you know, didn't hear anything back. Not not that surprising, but I did reach out to him, direct message him, not on Twitter. You know, I got his direct message and uh, asked him to come on, and he didn't have anything to say. Quickly after I asked him to come on, basically, he went to Twitter and started to put together just a very, very flimsy argument besides the whole, hey, I bet on my team. You know, one of the things that Calvin Ridley came out and basically said was, I bet $1,500 total. I don't have a gambling problem. That's exactly what his tweet said. Now, it doesn't matter how much you bet. You know, there is a a lot of question. Well, you know, you could bet this money. It doesn't matter how much you bet. You bet on the game. You can't have athletes betting on the game. Now, Twitter exploded, okay? And the Twitter universe is very interesting, but Twitter exploded and a lot of this kind of went down and and said, you know, look, basically what happened was he risked $1,500. He lost $11 million in this year's salary. You know, that's absolutely crazy. I mean, you know, even Chris Carton, (laughs) who had his problems with, you know, gambling and all that, he came to pretty much scold Calvin Ridley and, Calvin Ridley came back on Twitter and, you know, if you know me and my character, I know I was wrong, but I'm getting one year, LOL. You know, just got to be, you know, more healthy when I come back. I mean, you know, it was a tit for tat, Calvin Ridley. It was one of these guys that basically was saying, yeah, yeah, I'm wrong, but come on. Come on. He didn't agree with the punishment. He was trying to back his way out. I only bet 1,500. Didn't understand the slope that this could go down. You know, I mean, that is the thing. And people ran to his rescue. Here's the thing. I'm a little torn about the people that came to run to his rescue. Because while I agree in sentiment with them, 
I also think it's a very ridiculous comparison and argument. A lot of people saying, you know, Ray Rice did this and, and this guy beat up his wife and this guy beat up his girlfriend and they didn't get anything. And look at Deshaun Watson. He's still not suspended and they didn't get any time. And, you know, you bet $1,500 and they get a year. I mean, that's absolutely terrible. You see a lot of that going on, right? You see a lot of of the, the false comparisons. I've been the first one to say, if you hit your wife, if you're in domestic abuse, domestic abuse with a wife, with a child, with, with, with uh, you know a girlfriend, whatever it is, you shouldn't play football ever again, okay? But that's not reality, okay? That's just not what the NFL has done. I think they should do that, but that's not what they've done. There are certain rules in place. I mean, I thought the fact that Tom Brady got suspended for a thing that he didn't do um, and that was kind of proved that he didn't do anything and the whole deflate gate and all that was overblown and that was ridiculous. And there are guys that, like they said, you know, driving drunk, doing coke, doing this, doing that, throwing girlfriends downstairs. They're all playing. I mean, they're all playing. So it is a little hypocritical. And I've argued that for the longest time. You listen to my radio shows uh, for the last two decades. I have railed against that and argued that, that the NFL is ridiculous for that. But with that being said, it doesn't mean that Calvin Ridley doesn't deserve to be suspended for a year. He does. You can't bet on games and be a player. And you would think maybe I would be on the other side of this because I am sitting here and advocating gambling. And I, but, but I'm not a player. Also, the, the same thing as a false equivalent of, you know, you hear a lot of people going, well, congressmen are betting on stocks. You're right. They are. They are. But that doesn't mean we're not going to punish what we know. And the NFL here, they got a break, man. They did. The NFL got a huge break. They got a player that was sitting out last year. They got a player that was sitting out betting on games and betting a very small amount. And Calvin Ridley coming and saying, I only bet $1,500 really helps the NFL because of this. Imagine, just think about the rhetoric, the conversation. Think about what would be happening if an active NFL quarterback, we'll say, okay, was betting hundreds of thousands of dollars every game betting against his team. I mean, chaos. So... The fact that Calvin Ridley bet 1500 bucks, hey, that helps the NFL. The fact that Calvin Ridley wasn't an active player at the time, that helps the NFL. The fact that Calvin Ridley was an active player, bet on his own team, and only bet $1,500, hey, that's all good stuff for the NFL, but letter of the law, we're still suspending you, okay? But it's all good stuff for the NFL. I mean, this helped the NFL that it was Calvin Ridley as opposed to the other scenario that I just threw out there. This could have gotten really, really, really bad with the NFL being in bed. And that's the other thing, you know, the uh, the other argument. Well, the NFL is, uh, you know, in bed with legalized sports betting. Yeah, come on. Don't blame legalized sports betting. Come on. Get, get, that's, get out of here. You have a team in Vegas. What do you think? Do you think that millionaires, and that's what Calvin really is. He's a millionaire. Do you think millionaires can't find a dude to go bet with? Do you think that millionaires can't open up an offshore account? They're too dumb to open up an offshore Come on. You want to bet, you're going to go bet. Okay? The NFL got lucky here. They got very lucky that it was Calvin Ridley betting 1500 bucks a game from his couch on the inactive list, betting on parlays, including the Atlanta Falcons. They got lucky. The NFL looks beautiful in this spot. And now they get to throw the hammer down. Oh, I don't care. You bet $1,500. Year suspension for the guy that was sitting out. Now they set a precedent. We're not going to deal with this. 
We're throwing the hammer down. We are going to be strict. And they want people to scream to the heavens. Oh, this guy molested someone, threw someone downstairs. He punched his girlfriend in the eye. He did all this. He DUI. He's a drug addict. And they didn't get any suspension because they want to make it very clear. In the terms of the NFL world, and it doesn't matter if you agree, because I don't, but if it doesn't matter if you agree or not, but the NFL's make sure that they told everybody, in the terms of the NFL world, you can do drugs. You can drive fast. You, you can drive drunk. You can put people's lives in danger. You can beat women. You can beat kids. You do all that. And we'll, 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 we'll take it seriously. But you're not going to get that massive. But you bet on games, even if it's 1500 bucks, and even if you're inactive, and even if it's on your own team, bah, gone for a year. They want to nip that in the bud right away. Because when we watch the Super Bowl and we see an ad coming up for a sports book, they don't want anybody thinking that their game is not as pure, as perfect, and as they want it to be. Okay? That's, that's really what's going on. I mean, that's what we're looking at. You have to look at this situation with Calvin Ridley, and you got to say, this is a good thing for the NFL. It wound up being, you know, the the weird thing is, is that why he was found out is actually because of legalized betting. Florida had sports betting for like a minute, right? I mean, you know, honestly, it was like, it was a couple days, um, and then they pulled it back. So Calvin Ridley tried to make a bet outside of the Florida area, so the geo tracking kind of grabbed him. His name, his screen name, was basically like, "I'm the real Calvin Ridley." Yeah, you know? um, so they figured out that it was Calvin Ridley, and that's what got him. If anything, look, this can be spun in 18 ways, and people are going to argue about uh, the the penalties being too harsh, and people are going to feel bad for Calvin Ridley. I asked to hear his side. He clearly thinks it's a joke, and with an LOL on the back of it, and ha, 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 I'm coming back stronger. Just gives me more time to rest and heal. Watch what I do when I get back, and it was only 1500 bucks. And all of that rhetoric, quiet all that noise. And when you quiet all that noise, Legalized sports betting is the reason why Calvin Ridley was caught. Legalized sports betting is why we're in this position. They could come out looking good. The NFL got a gift with Calvin Ridley. This isn't a bad thing for the NFL. On the surface, well, yeah, it doesn't look good. But this isn't a bad thing for the NFL. It was, it was like baseball steroid era, right? Go back. Who was the first guy to get suspended, you know, for for a year? Or that long suspension. Who's the first guy? You don't know him. You don't know him. Because it didn't happen to one of the big boys. It didn't happen to that, that huge name until Ryan Braun down the line. But there was guys before that. You, you didn't know. You didn't know their names. Or, or they were mediocre. They, they were relief pitchers, right? It, it didn't matter. But they were able to set that precedent. And here it is. The NFL was able to sit back and set the precedent. I know it's a bad situation. And a sports betting show like mine... Uh, should be kind of taking the other position. But no, no, no. I'm sitting here telling you that the NFL actually got a gift because it was a guy inactive, sitting on his couch, betting 1500 bucks, betting parlays on his own team. This could have went so much worse in so many different directions. They threw the hammer down on him. They tried to make an example out of him because he's an easy example to make as opposed to what could have been. And just think about it. A starting quarterback during the season, betting hundreds of thousands of dollars, betting against his team. Yeah, that could have been the conversation. Thankfully, it's not. 
All right, guys. What a crazy week we just had, and we're going to have an even better week. And March Madness begins. Next time we talk, I'm going to do the whole brackets. I'm going to talk about what happens uh, on Sunday, Selection Sunday. We'll break it down. I'll fill out a bracket live on the air, give you who I like in upsets, give me some points. We'll talk about it all. I'm Tom Barton for Wagering Week. We'll be back, and you can bet on that. This has been a presentation of the Sports Garden Network. To be part of the show, call 1-855-4-GARTEN. That's 1-855-442-7386. Connect with us on Facebook and Twitter at Sports Garden. That's G-A-R-T-E-N. Get all your credible sports intelligence 24 hours a day by visiting us at sportsgarden.com.